everybody, and welcome to the Versus the Odds podcast. Today, we have a really cool guest here with us. She's a recent graduate of NYU's Tisch School of the Arts and now resides in Brooklyn as a screenwriter, playwright, and performer. She's an old friend of mine, and I've had the pleasure of talking to her throughout the years, collaborating on ideas and various things regarding film. Today, we have Mahalet Tigenu. How are you doing? Hello, I'm great. Thank you for having me. I know. I For those of you listening, I don't know if you, you would know, but we haven't really seen each other face to face in two years since we had a class together. It's been a long yeah. time. Yeah. I mean, we haven't even met in person, which is crazy. It's all been virtual interactions. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. I mean, it's uh, I've, I mean, that's kind of the way things are now with, you know, yeah. Zoom and the pandemic and COVID. But I mean, yeah. a friendship is a friendship, regardless exactly. of whether or not you've seen face to face. Exactly. Yeah. So I know you just have graduated from NYU. First of all, congratulations. That's extremely exciting. Thank you so, much. Uh, so how, how, how long has it been since you've been interested in film and television? And how did you eventually find your way to NYU? Yeah, so I, I think I've always been interested in like filmmaking, like from a young age, like when I would be given like assignments for classes where they'd say something like make a film, make something like for history I made like a Paul Revere movie where I acted and starred as Paul Revere in like fifth grade so like since then I've always loved like visual arts like photography filmmaking and I've always wanted to be a writer um but when I went to NYU I wasn't sure if I wanted to pursue film I just went in undecided and was taking a bunch of different classes um but yeah I took I think I was taking mostly like creative writing, sociology, Spanish classes, um, but I just wasn't feeling as creatively fulfilled as I could have been. So I did a play festival um, with Tish as a sophomore, I think, um, and I ended up really loving it. Uh, I, I, I didn't write for them. I, I just like directed for them, but it kind of made me realize that I wanted to be in like this creative world, like full time, rather than making it kind of like a side thing. So I applied to um, dramatic writing at Tisch um, as a sophomore and then transferred into Tisch as a junior and then uh, concentrated in TV writing, which is what I'm trying to do now. So yeah. It's really exciting. I feel like I feel like especially at NYU, I mean, Tisch has a reputation that speaks for itself, but I feel like because of that, it really does foster an environment where you can explore your creativity and whether or not you started out predominantly on that path, you can incorporate yourself into it and, and NYU would be fulfilling. Did you enjoy the culture that NYU had to offer? Um, like here and there, I, I feel like I learned a lot from my classes and I think more than anything, I met really amazing people for the most part. Um, the culture of NYU, I think, can be a bit clicky, pretentious, like very white. Um, but I think I got a lot out of it, especially like once I transferred. Even before I transferred, I really enjoyed the classes I was taking. I'd say I enjoyed my classes outside of Tisch surprisingly more than I did in Tisch. Um, actually, no, I don't know if that's true. I enjoyed my like specialized writing classes, but I also missed taking like um like Africana studies sociology that kind of thing so I think I'm happy I got both sides of um NYU or two different experiences uh, but yeah 
I don't know. I, I think it's like a complicated response I'm giving. No, that's I, I liked NYU. I, I think I got a lot out of it. Do I love it? Am I like super pro NYU? I don't know. But um, I, I think I, I like I don't know if I would have wanted to go anywhere else. No, that's fair. I feel like it, I mean, very rarely do you hear people talk about college and they're 100 percent down the line. Like it was the best four years of my life. Like these were my best years. And I feel like even with some even with a place as you know, notable as NYU, it's it's kind of hard to to step into an environment like that and 100 percent assimilate or feel like it's a place of home like it it has yeah. its pros and it has its cons like that's I mean that's how I felt about college like I loved the environment of where I lived in the mountains but at the same time you know there were things lacking like a, a social aspect for example so it's yeah. very understandable but you know now that you've graduated from NYU you're working you told me as uh you're working for an HBO Max show do you want to tell us a little bit yeah. about that yeah um so I my role is it's like hard to explain because I've done so many different things like at my time there but I was hired to just be um basically a production assistant to one of the producers um which I did for a couple weeks so I was he was like very kind by the way I I feel like I wasn't expecting to level the producers and like and the director um but I they were all just so kind and like not really Hollywood like which I was surprised about. Um, but yeah, I was uh, driving the producer and kind of like taking care of like his stuff, his food, that kind of thing. Um, and two weeks into the in, into production, I got promoted to work with the cast, um, which was also fun. So I went from I guess being a producer's assistant, production assistant to working as a cast production assistant, which I did for another few weeks or probably like a month or so. Um, and then and then my final, I guess, leg of my journey there was working as a the writer's production assistant, which I was like really excited about because I was like, this is what I want to do. And um, it's so nice to like see the process firsthand. Um, I got to like be in the room like when they were filming like all the time which I didn't get the chance to do when I was like not working with the writer and it was Ed Solomon he he wrote um Men in Black and Now You See Me and a bunch of other cool stuff wow yeah, yeah yeah so he's a wonderful person and yeah I just feel like I learned so much and met a lot of mostly cool people um but yeah it sounds like a really exciting opportunity. I feel like, especially with streaming services now being super popular, it's uh, it's opened up so many avenues for creators and writers and artists to broadcast their their content to to various platforms. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I'm really excited with the way that television and film is kind of emerging in this decade, at least. I mean, you've got shows like succession becoming super popular and you mm -hmm. know the success of shows like wednesday I just feel like there's so many options to explore um and with that being in mind like there are very how should i phrase this uh depending on what what sort of material you'd like to write there are now greater i feel as though there's greater opportunities for those unique perspectives that people have to share to appear on screen um and with that being said you know obviously every writer has a story to tell has a perspective that they like to share in, in very 
general terms, of course. Um, and during your time, you said you you experimented with creative writing before landing in dramatic writing. Did you ever notice that there are any uh, themes or ideas that you would predominantly revisit in your own work? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I I think one something I write about. Well, one I guess genre wise, I really lean into comedy. Um, but in terms of like themes, I feel like I. I like writing stories that usually have either like a black female protagonist or like an African immigrant. Um, my parents are from Ethiopia, so I I like, I guess, exploring that part of my identity in my writing. Um, so yeah, I think just having a diverse cast is important to me. I, I did a play festival last um I guess last summer uh with Project Y Theater here in New York um and with that I wrote uh, a play that I actually started developing in the class we had together um wow so it it's like a story about this like black ballerina I also danced for a while so oh that's really cool yeah so it, it was about like um like the toxicity of like the ballet world but also like race and like patriarchy like all these kind of factors coming into play but it's also like a whimsical drama I guess um so not comedy that was actually one of the few non-comedy things I wrote but I guess I like writing like I guess from my experiences as like a black woman and Ethiopian woman who's lived a life <laughs> so you, yeah. you, you said it was uh produced by was it, you just said project y is that what Project called? y theater in yeah Oh, how did I, I'm not super familiar with that process of, you know, having plays go through those, those theater companies. What's, how does, how does that work? How do you get, how do you go from, you know, working on an idea, writing a screenplay until it is being acted out by actors on stage at, a, at somewhere in New York city? Yeah. So <clears throat> I, I mean, I, I've submitted to a lot of places with this one. I got really lucky because I knew one of the playwrights who had done the festival, um in the past so she helped like connect me to the people running the the festival um and I submitted work to them and yeah it just worked out they like casted it over a span of like a few months and I sat in on a few rehearsals um and it was yeah it was unfortunately it was over zoom it was supposed to be an in-person play festival but there was like a surge, COVID surge happening at the time. So it ended up being a Zoom play, but regardless, it was really cool. Cause I got to, well, I was the youngest playwright there and everyone else was so experienced and talented. And, and I just felt lucky to like be able to work with them. Um, but yeah, it was a cool experience. Oh, wow. I, I, I really wish, now I, now I wish I was in New York and I wish I'd seen something like that. I really, I feel like that's something I would have definitely stopped by. And I remember looking at your website and you know, you have, uh, multiple play festivals that you've been a part of as well as short films that you've created and you know things like dinner party or screen girl uh which out of those films that you that you have listed which one was the most recent one and what was the process like of casting and organizing that shoot yeah so I actually the most recent one I did I haven't posted on my website yet 
which I did a couple weeks ago with a friend. But I can talk about the ones there too because those were fun to do. Um, I they were actually a few of them were for class for a what was it? It was like a f- film production class that dramatic writing majors were required to take. Um, so the last one I did was Screen Girl, um, which I wrote basically because I was in like a heavy sims playing phase (laughs) so addicted to the game and basically I wrote it was like a really it was like seven minutes it was a story about a sim player who abuses her sim and um, Ah. the sim takes over like hacks the system and like gets I guess her payback um yeah so that was it was really fun and goofy and I acted in it too which was really fun um but yeah I did that for class and I want to post it I think I just have to change the music because I don't want to get sued by sims because I usually I I, I yeah their soundtrack (laughs) yeah Um, that's the thing feel really realistic but yeah I need to change the music and then I'll probably post it but yeah I'm I'm definitely gonna Oh, sorry, I didn't talk over you. I definitely want to watch yeah. that. Um, yeah. oh my god, dude, you're gonna give Greta Gerwig a run for her money. Like you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna make like the the honorary sequel to Barbie with this <laughs> instead of that. It's The Sims. I mean, people. I mean, you know how many people like are are obsessed with The Sims. That's gonna be yeah. yeah I mean, people that that's one of those things that are gonna connect with a lot of people. Like yeah. Oh, why do you think it I reaches hope. so many people? We love games. Like yeah. We love I being hope, online. Yeah, that would be cool. Oh my god! I I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to reach back to you for for. I'll, for I'll let you know when I when I drop it. I'll I'll send you the link. I just I really need to get on that. Like there are so many things I want to release that I, or not so many, but a few things I just I'm like oh I need to perfect this or I need to change this. But I feel like it's like ripping a bandaid off, you know. Just but it's also hard to be like super vulnerable with what you create. Hmm. I, but, I completely I understand it's yeah. uh because you want you know you don't want to risk like at least I can I can only speak for myself I like I don't want to risk the judgment of my peers by putting out something that they think is objectively not good um and I feel like that's a that's always a struggle that like any writer or any artist will have to deal with yeah um, I, I've experienced that so much throughout my senior thesis class and even dealing with like imposter syndrome mm-hmm. about wanting to create something that I thought was artistically sufficient um and you know again that's that's my ego talking and i acknowledge that but well, it, i understand that though i feel like that's such like a common feeling like with artists and writers and stuff especially yeah. at our age because i think we're still kind of young obviously oh, and, like, yeah. emerging developing confidence whatever you know all that stuff like yeah hashing out like the finer points of your personality and like i mean like you said for you you said right when you write it's an extension of your own identity and your personal experiences in some way shape or form those experiences and feelings are transformed and they take on the appearance of a story i mean that's the same way that's the same way i feel when i write i like i wrote a senior thesis um it was supposed to be like a transgressive fiction novel but you know deep down it was like you know me wrestling with uh, the discomfort I felt at, you know, feeling like I didn't fit into my liberal art, liberal arts college or mm-hmm. struggling with like, you know, defining my own masculinity in uh, a society that doesn't necessarily enforce positive manifestations of it. Yeah. You know, not like not to get like super heavy or anything, but, you know, that's that's a lot to balance. And Definitely. You know, especially as a writer. Like, 
uh, like an interesting story though well i will i will also have to send you that it's it was on my it was on my website but um okay. but i'll have to i'll have to hit you up with that and okay, cool. uh, i i like what you were saying about you know having an outlet you know writing new things you know whether or not you know you think it's perfect getting it out there and sharing things and that reminds me of something that you've created, which I think, you know, what I'm going to talk about. You have a very funny account on Instagram uh, called Dating with Davi. And yes. I really I want to know more about that because at one one day it came across my feed because you shared it and I've been watching it ever since. But I want to know how you came up with that idea and like where where you were coming from when you started that. Yeah, oh, that's a really good question. I mean, I think a lot of the reason I started it was because I feel like I have this kind of like comedic side to me that I don't really express all the time. And I just want to, I guess, get wanted to get more comfortable with showing the different sides to my personality. Because I feel like my regular Instagram, it's kind of just like serious, not serious, but it's like, um, I don't know. I mean, I think with Instagram, it's like really hard to show yourself and show all the sides of your personality because everything is so curated and I kind of just wanted to do something where I I guess didn't have as much of like a wall in front of me and I could just have fun make jokes with my friends and just I guess express myself the idea itself I I honestly don't know if I can tell you where it came from I just <laughs> But I guess I can explain it for the people who obviously don't know what it is. But um, basically, it's a dating show, but it's like a satire dating show where I go on dates with people um, and have a Dobby puppet next to me. And basically, the idea is that me and Dobby are kind of uh, like these really like judgmental, like hard to please people um with a like me and Dobby I've had a very complicated relationship in the past oh I see I, I can't get into it too much because no know, of course I, I you know the boundaries you know exactly boundaries um but I yeah the people I brought on I've known I want to like start bringing on actual strangers because I think that would be like really funny but I asked them like three questions um and then at the end of the date me and Dobby decide whether or not we want to go on another date with them uh yeah that's like the concept but I just wanted to like do some interview style thing that would I guess help me like get out of my comfort zone oh yeah and especially when you're working with or well you know relatively organic interactions of like face-to-face -face and uh, those informal conversations that you know people try to facilitate on dating shows like there's it's always going to be a goldmine of comedy like there's there's a reason that like Love Island Australia exists, you know, because yeah. people want to want to see that the strange discomfort of, of you know, facilitated attempts at connection, if that exactly. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. I mean, that, that's that's what I think of, you know, I think of like the popularity of like the circle and stuff like that. And yeah. of course, you know, that's it's from that environment is where uh, shows like dating, like dating with Dobby can emerge and, yeah. and be an outlet of expression. No, I. I literally before I started recording this podcast, I was I was stuck in traffic and I was watching some of the videos like on the way home. And I was like, what the hell is this? This is so fucking funny. Like, like <laughs> this is so good. 
I appreciate that. I'm I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like you know, a lot of some people have a hesitancy to move towards TikTok as an yeah. outlet of of creation, but I don't I don't know. I think that there's I think there's potential there. You know, people it's it's very easy to shit on because it's social yeah. media, but again, it's still a valid outlet. You know. Yeah. No, I I agree. I think people are getting more comfortable using it as a more like serious thing. I, I mean, I, I, I like it because I think, especially for creative people, it's a great outlet for showing off your skills and talents, whatever you want to do on TikTok. I feel like it's it can be toxic because it's so driven by clout. I mean, as is any social media, but it, because it's like very much like all about reaching as many people as you can. Yada, yada, yada. I feel like it's like with me, I, I want to grow on it because I feel like so many people these days, like especially comedians are like doing really well on it. But I feel like it's like I've been struggling personally with creating boundaries of like uploading something with the intention of like uploading it because I personally think it's really great and funny versus uploading something because I think it's going to go viral. Mm -hmm. and I feel like doing it where you can combine both where you're like I like what I posted I hope it goes viral without being too attached to that but it's so hard when the whole concept is like revolves around being viral you know what I mean yeah it's uh you like you're you know that it's coming it's not coming from a place of mm, I guess not a place of authenticity you know you're doing it in a it's, it's very transactional you're doing it because yeah. you know that you're going to get a response or you're going to get the feedback that will affirm what you're doing rather than sharing something out of you know genuine love and interest I exactly that way yeah. yeah that's and that like I feel like that's a general debate with social media in general is mm -hmm. knowing like how to show up authentically on it because it, to what extent to what extent are you being authentic I'm, yeah I don't not to go off like the absolute deep end but I mean that's a valid question especially it is, yeah. especially with this generation who's so predominantly online yeah it happens do you post on TikTok I have never downloaded the app. I only see what is in my group chat. And okay. from what I've seen, it's a, it's a lawless land in the corners yeah. of the internet. But definitely, yeah. I've limited my, I've tried to limit my social media. I, I deleted Twitter after my freshman year of college. And then I deleted Snapchat after my sophomore year. And I'm like trying to slowly pull away because I, I, I feel like, you know, there's just, there's just so much out there that, it's hard to sift through what you're seeing and be able to assimilate things you like, things you don't like, because there's just so much to work through. Yeah. And I mean, at least for me as a writer, like seeing all the different types of comedy or all the different storylines that are out there, it just feels like overwhelming. And it, it, is, yeah. it's, it's, it saps my energy. I don't know how you feel and how you interact with social media, but for me, it feels a little bit more like a detriment these days. No, I, I agree completely. I recently, I've been trying to limit like my screen time um I yeah I feel like I I'm more at peace with myself when I am not on social media it's funny because I also like really enjoy posting um so I think striking that balance where I'm like having fun but also not relying on it too much as like a form of validation or whatever but yeah I I don't know I feel like life, it's like complicated because like there's no turning back <laughs> in terms of like not being online, but I feel like I've been trying to do less of it just because yeah. I see my my anxiety, my personal happiness kind of 
you know, like, well, my anxiety obviously goes down. My happiness goes up when I use it less, but it's also like, I don't know. I'm also like dependent on it to an extent. Yeah. Well, especially if you're an artist and you're trying to do promotion, like I think about like, like, you know, all those musicians who are blowing up because one snippet of their song goes viral on TikTok and it catapults them to fame, you know, Steve Lacey, you know, who is already well-established in the industry blew up to an even bigger level because, you know, all these teenagers were listening to like the chorus of, was it bad habit? Yeah. So I mean, to a certain extent it's good for promotion, but yeah, it's just, yeah. Once you feel like you're reliant upon it to promote yourself, especially as an artist, I feel like it gets into you get into muddy waters. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine what it's like as a, as a comedian. Yeah, that's what I'm. Yeah. Things to to navigate. In the yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's because there's no there's no prerequisite for this because it's so new. Like there is no exactly, older yeah. generation that's accurately or gone through something that's similar as this. And then made it out like in a beneficial way, like we're the the <laughs> test trial, basically. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent. But we, you know, with when, with when I was just thinking about when Steve Lacey's song went viral on TikTok, and like it was like every time I would scroll, it was I wish I knew, just like over and over again. And then it'd be like sped up, and then it'd be like slowed down. Uh. <laughs> I was just like, this is a lot. This is really overwhelming. It's a good song, but I don't know. I know. I, I, yeah, sometimes I won't listen to something like if I was enjoying a song that I that I keep seeing it on, you know, my Instagram reels like now, damn it, I fucking hate this song now. Yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah. too much. Yeah. But, you know, w- at least with the advent of the you know, promotion that comes through the Internet, there are spaces for you know different types of content to shine. And that is absolutely a positive. And one of the things that you've been sharing online is some of your work that you've done with Pencils of Color. And for those listening who don't know what that is and haven't seen any of those videos yet, could you tell me a little bit about what Pencils of Color is and what exactly it is that you all do? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, we started Pencils of Color about a year ago, a little over a year ago, um, while I was still at NYU. Um, So it's but it's technically NYU's first all POC sketch comedy group, but now it's because a lot of us are graduating or have graduated, we're kind of branding it as like just like a New York City POC comedy group. Um, but it's a sketch comedy group. We have live shows and we've also been started posting more like online content recently. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like it was like a lot of the people in the group have been in other sketch comedy groups at NYU, like Danger Box is a really popular one, Hammer Cats, a few others that some of them are still in. But I, f- we felt like there wasn't like a space just for like people of color to like come together, feel safe, share comedy, be silly. And a lot of the people in the group are like my good friends. Um, so yeah, we get together like about every week and workshop sketches and um we're starting to workshop like stand-up stuff too um but yeah it's been it's been a fun little ride and if i'm not mistaken you all had a halloween show a couple months ago yeah we did yeah what 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 was the what was the content of that show what what did you guys do and how where was that hosted how did that go down yeah, so it was at the Brooklyn Comedy Collective, which is a really fun venue in Bushwick. Um, and 
it was we did like nine I think about nine like four to five minute sketches um so it was like about an hour-long show it was all like Halloween themed um yeah it was it was fun it was our first show so there was like a lot I think that we learned in terms of like how to put on a show like how to be more prepared but I think considering it was our first show it was we did a good job but we're having another show which we still need to get together but it's going to be um sometime in late April early May um and we're going to introduce like stand-up to that which I also have never done um so I'm trying to workshop ideas get comfortable doing that kind of thing but yeah yeah, and I, mean, I remember you said at the beginning of this of this episode that um, one of the chief issues with NYU of how clicky it is and how you know it's a you know predominantly white institution and you know I feel like especially in situations like that um, you know obviously that's not my lived experience and I can't I can only comment so much about it um, accurately but I, I can only imagine like it's so important to have a safe space you know where not only your creativity is being cultivated but also you know a place where that safety is safeguarded and yeah. I can only imagine like that's that, that's, a, that's a beautiful and, and positive thing yeah absolutely thank you yeah yeah of it's course great. and uh in comedy you know coming from all corners of NYU all corners of of New York City and it's really I mean I feel like it's a beautiful thing to see you know so many different manifestations of creativity taking place in so many shapes and forms like I I think the first episode I saw or not even an episode the first video I saw from pencils of color was uh again like a mock dating show or some sort of competition based in a dating show oh, and yeah. i was like i was like oh my god like i i see little videos like that and at first it seems like a video but once you you know watch a few times you know you start to notice how it's uh you know it's a reflection and it's satire of you know you know all these funny things you see on on instagram of of you know dating shows and these street interviews and stuff like that and seeing that get translated into a modern setting is really really cool and uh I, I you know i feel like since you're a writer and you're aware of the industry and you know film and the scenes associated with it i feel like it's only fair to ask like are there any um writers or artists that you look up to as as you grow as an artist or as a writer someone that you kind of look up to i know it's a, a general question but i feel like it's fair to ask yeah um for sure i I really love Michaela Cole. Have you seen I May Destroy You or Chewing Gum? Uh, I May Destroy You is on my list. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I plan on watching it. Okay, yeah, I would definitely recommend. Um, but she's honestly, I think, one of the most talented writers, actors out there right now. Um, I feel like she writes with so much like authenticity and she's also like a black African immigrant child comedian like me. So I feel like I, I kind of relate a lot to her and her, I feel like her genre of comedy is just so goofy and silly, which I think is how I would describe mine. Um, especially her show Chewing Gum, it's just, it's so ridiculous, but it's so fun. So she's definitely one of the um, people I look up to. I also, I love Z-Way. <laughs> I think she's so great. Yeah. So glad you brought her up. I she's I dude, those reels have been keeping me alive, man. Yeah. No, I don't even know if I if if I can comment on her too much because I feel like everyone knows how good she is, but she's yeah, she's hilarious and 
I look up to her a lot. I uh, I really hope that the net, uh, next Met Gala, like she shows up with Chet Hanks. That's like yeah. a, that's like a, that's like a small dream of mine is to yeah. see that happen. Oh my god! No, that interview sent me like. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, they could not be more polar opposites, but I I think I, she should definitely have him back on. Like yeah, no, yeah, that big... was yeah, that was hilarious. Oh my god. So now that we're nearing the end of the episode, um, we talked about a lot of different things. We talked about talked about your history as a writer, how you've gone through NYU, your various projects of, you know, having things produced at uh, theater companies in New York City. Talked about your shows on Instagram, whether it be Dating with Dobby or Pencils of Color. You've got a lot going on, and you've got a lot going for you. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here because, you know, I like to have people on who are very passionate about what they do. And I absolutely see that when I speak to you. So the last thing I'd like to ask you before we end the episode is what's in your future? What do you see? What do you see coming up on the horizon or what would you like to see? Yeah. Well, thank you, by the way. I really appreciate that. And I had so much fun talking to you. You're a great conversationalist. Um, But in the future, I mean, I want to get into a writer's room. That's kind of my goal right now. And it's, I don't know, like I'm kind of just manifesting it, trying to make my way in. Um, but get in a writer's room, eventually get staffed, get an agent. And then in the long run, I mean, hopefully not too far away, but I, I just want to write and get paid for it because it's what I love to do. Um, and in the long run, I would say have my own show. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed. And I, I, after talking to you and after even, you know, texting with you back and forth throughout the past, you know, few months, like, I think you're well on your way. And I'm very excited to see what you do next. So thank you, Mahalet, for coming on the show. I'm really thank happy you that you're so here. Much. Thank you. I had so much fun talking to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And hopefully this isn't the last time. Definitely not. <laughs> 100%. So to anyone listening, um, if you're interested in pursuing a career in writing, or in film and television, it's absolutely possible to do so. You know, whether or not you uh, have an immediately, immediate plan forward, you know, there are numerous avenues for you to pursue, whether it's uploading a video on TikTok or Instagram or writing a short play. There are so many things that you can do. And Mahalet is a great example of this, someone who has utilized her skill set and has looked at the options ahead of her and has been able to use what is there in order to advance her career and grow as an artist and as a person and just a quick reminder that these are these things that you want whether it is writing whether it's acting whatever it is that makes you happy gives you that spark of joy is absolutely possible even if it's you versus the odds so to everyone listening i hope you had a good time and i'm glad that you're here so thank you i love you all and goodbye